Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, today we're going to wrap up this week's discussion of the good guy spiritual beings by talking about angels, and I'm going to throw in a couple bonus, we'll just call them miscellaneous beings, because there's really not much in scripture about them, but there's enough that we can affirm them. So most of this is going to be about angels or have to do with angels, but then we'll we'll get to a few other things here at the end of this episode. So I want to talk about this idea that, first of all, angels are a class of spiritual being. And I want to challenge that a little bit because when you look at the language in in Hebrew, it would be uh, malak and in Greek, it would be angelos. The, The words literally mean messenger. And when we look at examples throughout the Old and New Testaments of angels and what they're doing, we see that they're they're called angel because it's it's really just a description a, a job description of the role that they play and in fact we really never get very much of a description unlike cherubim and seraphim things like that about what angels look like or anything uh, there are a few places and we'll we'll talk about those here in a minute but Overall, it seems more like the Bible describes angels as a job, that when you are doing the things that angels do, you are acting in the capacity of or being an angel. And that doesn't mean that you're always an angel. For instance, when I am at work doing my job, I am functioning as the job title that I have, but I'm not that when I come home and play with my kids or cook dinner for my family. I'm not those things. I am other things. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. And so probably you could probably make a good case that an angel is not really a type of spiritual being at all. It's more of a a thing that spiritual beings do. Regardless though of who is doing the the angel business, angels rank below the sons of God and the cherubim and the seraphim in terms of hierarchy, and they complete the functions and the tasks assigned to them. By the way, I I just want to throw out here as well that while we're talking about what angels kind of are and aren't, even though cherubim and seraphim are very clearly in scripture described physically as as having wings and things like that i want us to notice that never once in scripture are angels when that word the hebrew or the greek equivalent is used are they ever described as having wings they don't fly they don't flap they don't have wings in fact they look more or less human they can even be mistaken for human uh, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13.2 warns his readers that we should be hospitable and generous toward those who are strangers to us because some people have, as he says, entertained angels unaware that you may not know just looking at someone that they are in fact an angel, which tells me that if they had wings, 
it would be awfully hard to pull that off. And so angels often or almost exclusively uh, appear to us as us. They look like humans. We see this in Sodom and Gomorrah when the two angels visit Lot. They look like men. And in Mark 16, 5, in the empty tomb account that Mark gives, the angel, which the other gospels clearly describe as an angel, is described in Mark's gospel as a young man dressed in a white robe, which is interesting. He looks just like a young man. And so humans are sometimes described as being like angels, not in the sense that humans become angels or anything like that when we die. We don't. But that because angel is a function, it's a job, it's a role, there are times and have been times when humans can perform the function or at least a similar function of an angel. And we see this in 2 Samuel 19.27 where it says that David the king is like the angel of God. Well, in what sense would David be like the angel? Well, certainly not in that David is a spiritual being or anything of the sort. So the only real way that David or any human could be like uh, an angel of God or the angel of God would be in the function that he is performing, that he is doing some of the same things or uh, aligning himself in some of the same ways with how uh, those beings would would do things on God's behalf. And so in that way, again, it's very helpful if we think of angel as a job, not as a who, more of a what. So let's get to the miscellaneous characters because we have a couple of them in scripture that have popped up already in our discussions. And the first is the Satans, these Satan characters that are in the Old Testament like what we see in Job. And we've had a, a fruit snacks on this about how the, the Satan in Job is probably not who you think it is because the definite article, the, appears before it. And just like in English, in Hebrew, you didn't put the definite article before a proper name. And so it can't be referring to capital S, Satan, you know, the big bad from Genesis 3. It has to be referring to a, a role the Satan, the adversary. Again, if we think like with cherubim and seraphim in terms of ancient kingdoms, this might be uh, easier for us to grasp. In lots of ancient kingdoms, and we even see evidence of this really all over the world, in Eastern kingdoms, in the Middle East, and and even in European kingdoms, where the king would sometimes employ spies who would go and blend in and and sort of just be amongst the people. And their role, their job was to test whether the people were truly loyal to the king or not and to sort of ferret out uh, insurrection and rebellion and, and disloyalty and then report that back to the king. And it seems in Job that that is a very on the nose and probably pretty plausible explanation for what exactly the Satan is doing. What What's he doing? And if he's a good guy, why is he accusing people? Because he's doing his job. He's trying to ferret out disloyalty to Yahweh. And he's he's questioning whether people are really loyal or not uh, if, they, if they've never had to prove it. And as I said, not only in Job 1 and 2, but also in Zechariah 3, there is one of these uh, Satan characters who gets described. 
And then we have probably one of the most odd spiritual beings found in all of scripture, which is found in Ezekiel's vision in Ezekiel 10. Ezekiel's just a trip, man. If you want to, if you want to read about some very interesting uh, imagery of, of the heavenly realm, Ezekiel is your, is your destination, but these wheels within wheels. And before we go too far and say, wait, it's just a wheel. It's just a, a chariot wheel or something like that. Well, that, that might be the case, except for the fact that these wheels within wheels, according to Ezekiel, also have eyes all around them. And wherever the cherubim go, the, the temple security go, they follow. And so there seems to be, uh, they have eyes, first of all, and there seems to be some sort of intentionality or agency to them. Now, what sort of spiritual being this would be and, and exactly what role it would play, I honestly could not tell you, but it, they're there. They're just there. And all this is to say, and I want us to kind of wrap up with this thought before we dive into the other side of the spiritual realm next week, is that it is a mistake to collapse the whole spiritual realm to God and angels and Satan and demons. The spiritual realm is far, far more diverse and and fascinating and interesting and weird and wonderful than most of us have grown up being taught and believing. But it's right there in Scripture if we look for it. And so I want us to be aware of what Scripture actually teaches about these things because as we read through them, it will help us uh, understand and sort of get the perspective that the original audience would have had for these things as well. 